father's tent There you are You're running for your life You're a shooting star And all the years No one knows Just how hard you worked But now it shows In one shining moment It's all on the line One shining Coaches, uh, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast, episode 275. And I'm fired up about this. I, you know, you would think my wife uh, doesn't even talk to me anymore. I do too many podcasts now. I'm coaching all the time. Uh, this is getting a little bit crazy here. And I want to introduce my special guest today. Um, I got Dr. Uh, Pete Van Bullum, okay, um, He's a professor at Lewis Clark State College. He has authored both trade and academic publications, including books, book chapters, and journal articles. Van Mullum is the director of Sport Coach America, editor-in-chief of PHE America. All right, and we're so excited to have you on, uh, Dr. Van Mullum, and also Dr. Hal Wilson, a good friend of mine. He's actually a little bit kind of from this area, and Hal's uh, coached many years out in Georgia. And he is Associate Professor of Coaching Education at Georgia Southern University out here, Georgia boy. Um, and I'm so excited to have both of them on together. You can't, be, you can't beat this podcast right now with two legendary people on my podcast. So, hey, we're going to talk today, today about um, national coaching standards, national standards for coaches, uh, which I firmly believe, my personal opinion, that we really need that in our coaching profession and they're going to they're going to come in and uh discuss this topic pete i want you to jump in i want you to give a little background um i know that um coaching has been bred into you uh ever since you were young and i just want to ask you your parents were very influential in how you approach coaching can you talk about that well first of all kevin thanks for having me on today i know you've been doing a lot of work with this show over the years and so it's great what you're doing for, for coaches out there. So thanks again for having me on here. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I mentioned a while back to someone, someone asked, you know, you always, who influences you? And I, they, you know, my parents really weren't, they were the ones that let me enjoy the game. So my parents were really hands off, but be, by being hands off, they let me own that experience. And so I, I talk a lot about that when I, when I talk to, you know, parents and coaches and stuff too, is just, you know, that, that really was empowering for me um, and let me be something of my own. So that's, that's kind of, that's my parental experience, which isn't a lot of, a lot of people I know have a very different experience. Coach Wilson, talk about, you know, kind of your experience as a kid. Cause I always go back to ask people about how did they grow up? I know how I grew up directly affected, like what I'm doing right now. Mm -hmm. um, how did you grow up and how did you get into coaching number one and also what you're doing presently at this moment on mentoring us coaches? Well, I grew up uh, playing whatever sport was in the season. You know, back in those days, you didn't specialize. We were fortunate to have a YMCA basically across the street from my house. And I just would, after school, I, I would walk there and, uh, and hoop all day long and play whatever sport was in the season. And just loved that. Uh, went to college and Walked on a basketball team, was an undergraduate assistant, and uh, learned a lot from that experience. And, and I wanted to go into coaching because while I was actually a walk-on, I volunteered in a 
uh, inner city coaching program sponsored by the Boy Scouts, the police department and the public housing authority. And those kids just hooked me on coaching. It wasn't anything that I brought to them is what they brought to me. It was just a wonderful experience. And uh, that made me want to pursue coaching full-time as a career and uh, coached high school for a long time and college for a little bit. And then I've been here at Georgia Southern. This is my eighth year in our coaching education program. So we have a minor and a fully online master's degree. So I think I'm in just in the perfect spot and feel uh, very lucky and blessed to be where I am. Absolutely on that. And I know you're doing a lot of great things. Both of you are um, really kind of grooming coaches. That's the best word I can use for our profession. Unfortunately, myself, I learned, I was telling Pete yesterday that I learned on the run. I learned, I made a lot of mistakes early. I was very fortunate to get a head coaching job early in my career. And I learned on the run. I had no tutoring. I just studied, studied, studied and learned from great coaches. Is that to, I mean, it, there's nothing wrong with that, but aren't you guys trying to establish more than that for coaching in your educational programs? Yeah, I think, I think that's always the, that's kind of the goal. I think for me personally, just to go back a little bit on, on the personal part of it. I think I might still be in coaching if, if I would have had some things along the way that would have made me recognize some of those things that I wasn't doing. Um, Cause I was doing on the run, just like you. And even though I worked with some really great people, um, there were some things that I look back on now and wish, you know, I wish I would have known then kind of thing. And, and it might've made a difference, um, um, because I, you know, saw a lot of passion for, for what that coach experience is and what it can provide for the youth. And so, because I've been impacted by that. So yeah, it's, it's definitely, um, how can we help coaches? And there's so many, again, there's so many different avenues out there that coaches can get information and access, whether, you know, just through online resources, but the problem is, is that they don't know what they're looking at, right. Or maybe it's the right stuff. And so that's, I think that's what we're all trying to do, especially those of us that have done it and been affected by it, like Hal and myself. We try to, how can we give back or how can we, and how can we make it better? That's that what motivates me and I, maybe motivates Hal as well. Kevin, I think a really important point is, is first of all, you know, people like Pete has paid his dues, right? He, he coached, he worked his way up and he's been in the trenches. He knows what it's like. And like, and I've coached, I'm still coaching my kids now. So I started back over with young kids. So I've coached 26 years. So I think both of us kind of have both perspectives of the academic perspective, but we also have the practical perspective. And, and we can bring those two together. What, what I realized the national standards for sport coaches, which Pete was a driving force in revising those in their current form are, are really important. I had never heard of those for 18 years. The first 18 years I coached, I'd never heard of them. I didn't know they existed. I tell my classes this all the time, okay? But if I had known they existed, I would have been a better coach faster, a much better coach. I would have eliminated mistakes. It wouldn't have just been learning by trial and error. I could have been so much better for my kids, and I, I wish I had. And so now, and, and Pete can talk more about the national standards. I think they're so important. But then you look at a program like ours where we have undergraduates and graduates. We are nationally accredited, which means – all of our classes and our curriculum are directly tied to the national standards for sport coaches. There's no random assignments. It's not, ah, oh, well, I think this worked for me. No, no. What are the best practices? And we can directly link them. So, you know, when you're going to a nationally accredited program that is linked to the national standards for sport coaches, you're getting a quality program that's going to help you coach better, faster. Pete, how, how are coaches like myself? Well, I've been doing it for 30 years. I don't think a lot of coaches are aware of this. How can we become more aware of these standards and how to implement them? Right. And I mean, you know, the standards have been in existence since, you know, 19, 1995, 96. Um, they've, 
And it was a group of individuals just like ourselves and, and you know, had that training and expertise uh, and also the coaching experience to try to put together something that there just wasn't a national standards that out there. And there's different groups that have done standards, but not this national. And so over the years in 2006, it underwent a revision. And then in just recently, um, the third revision just came out. And I was just fortunate to be a part of, of some really good minds, uh, much smarter than me. Uh, but I was fortunate to be a part of that process and hopefully contribute a little bit. But the uh, two, actually two committees were formed and it included um, a lot of people in higher education, um, a guy by the name of Wade Gilbert, who's a well-known published author and really um, well-known in the coaching education world was kind of charge of the first committee. And then, and then the second committee got to give credit to Lori Gando Overway, who's at James Madison university for running that, that second part of that task force and group to get the standards um, um, out there in this third revision. But where do you find them? Um, Shape America is the owner of the standards. Uh, they, they have been for a long time. Shape America, if you're a K-12 physical educator or health educator, you're probably aware of that national organization. Um, but if you go, if you just Google or go to Shape America National Sport Coaching Standards, it'll come right up. Um, and that's a good resource to just get an idea of what, what are these, what are the standards? And it's built around seven core responsibilities. And the simple way to really describe it, so seven core responsibilities and then 42 standards under, not total, um, dispersed throughout those seven core responsibilities. But the best way to really probably describe it is it's what a coach needs to, to know and what a coach should be able to do. Um, and that's what they're really based around. So as a coach, what can you gain from the standards? Well, you can look at them and say, what do I not know here? You know, or what, what should I you know, be able to do? You could just almost like a checklist, go through it. And that would be just a good resource to, for yourself. I think it's really helpful for, could be really helpful for administrators in evaluating what, you know, in hiring coaches, evaluating coaches, you know, ret you know retention part. And then, you know, determine whether to retain or not retain just based on, you know, they can use that almost like a checklist. And, and so what's, what's been, what's happened with the new, the new revision, because people, they just found out people weren't using these, right? So that's kind of your question is one of the things uh, we really tried to do with that last task force was come up with things that would be beneficial for people. How can these be applied? And so there's been, there's some articles that are out there on that. There's a, there's a booklet through Shape America. That's more of a handbook that helps try to connect those things for coaches, sport administrators, you know, higher education professionals, uh, people working with coaches, whether, you know, maybe not, maybe not athletic administrator, but they're working directly with coaches in their different programs. So maybe a little longer answer than you're looking for there, but that's, that's kind of the basics of where it's at now and what they're trying to do with it to get, get it out there. How, how are you guys applying these standards over there at Georgia Southern to your students? Well, you know, similar to, uh, to what I was, I was just saying is there every assignment that we give, you know, it's it has the national standard for sport coaches that it's tied to in addition to our student learning outcomes. So for our courses, when you design a course, right, one way of looking at it, they call backwards design, right? Where am I trying to get when they're done with this course? What do they need to be able to do? Right. And through that, you determine your your student learning outcomes and then you decide how you're going to teach that the activities. They're going to do it and how you're going to assess it. So everything. I think it helps the students when they know that I'm not just winging it. Now I, I could wing it based on my experience. That'd be okay. They might learn something because they'd learn a lot from my mistakes. And every now and then I got something right. But now I can say, you know, this is not just what I think, right? This is the best of the best. This is the best practices. And now we're going to tie this directly to this. What I always ask them to do is, is think about three levels. You have your personal experience, 
You might have had a coach who was wonderful and you loved. And you might have had a coach that wasn't so wonderful. And you're like, I do not want to be like that, that coach. Right? And, and both of those are valuable information. We take that. And then you have what, what I call personal research. Like you were talking about, I go out and I watch a great coach. I read a book. I watch a video or something. And I learn from that. And then there's a third level that I never got to, right? That's, it's called peer-reviewed research, right? When I was a, a high school, I didn't have time when I was a high school coach or a college coach to go read peer-reviewed research. Are you kidding me? But there's people in the world like, like Pete and Lori and all these people that are out there producing this wonderful research and then also making the standards based on it where we can say, this is the best of the best. This is the best thing you can do for wherever you are. I don't care if you're coaching in, in Idaho or you're coaching in Georgia, right? This is what kids need. And so I think it's so important and it helps get that buy-in. We talk all the time about getting buy-in from your players. Now I get buy-in from my students because this isn't just random, just what I think, but it's tied to the national standards. And so as a coach, now, what would I do if I was a coach? Like Pete just said, I would Google these standards and I would just do a self-evaluation and I would look and see, am I already doing this? You're probably already doing a lot of it. I'll tell you quickly, just one last thing we do in class is sometimes we'll watch a documentary on a famous or a great coach. And then we'll have the checklist here. We'll have the standards and I'll have the students. I'll say, every time you see an example of one of these standards in this documentary, write it down. Now the document, you know, whoever made the documentary didn't have that list, right? The coaches probably didn't have that list, but this is what great coaches do, even if they don't know it, right? So if you do know it, again, you'll be a better coach faster. Pete, don't you think though, that when we get into the professional, it all sounds good in the classroom, right? You guys, but we get into, we have parents, we have administrators that are just focusing on uh, parental pressure and not the standards. So the real world is not quite the same guys. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's a lot of, um, I, 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 don't, I don't see too many administrators really focusing on standards, which is really a shame. What do you do looking in, into the profession now? Are administrators, athletic directors doing a quality job? I know there's some good ones out there, but what do you see out there um, in the coaching profession as far as administ administering these standards? Well, just, just to add something to the standards too, because it goes to that question is that when these were created, not only was it research-based, but also they were vetted with coaches and administrators to see what, you know, just get feedback from all over the country. And, and, you know, in general, people don't, it's hard to argue against the standards. I mean, pretty much, yeah, this is what we should be doing. I mean, this, this makes a lot of sense, but that, but a lot of the comments and some of the feedback was also, yeah, this is what we should be doing, but, but this is not necessarily reality of every day what we're working at. So that's exactly what you said, exactly how people kind of feel about the standards. And part of that challenge is there's no certification. There's no requirement for someone to be certified by the standards. And then, you know, so I think what, what's, what's challenging for an administrator, while they can use these standards to evaluate coaches or they can use these standards to, you know, hiring coaches and those type of things um, and helping their coaches develop, again, they can't really stand behind them. And I think that's where we, we have that gap right now is like, I can't as administrator, how's my coach and he, I'm getting some pressure say, Hey, how's certified coach in this. And you can't touch them because they're hard to get these certified coaches. I mean, that'd be great to say, right. I think that would really help administrators a little bit. They, I mean, I think some sports have some certifications, but in general, if you could say, Hey, we got some certified coaches here, we're not getting rid of them. Um, you know, that, just one thing I think could be helpful uh, if we could ever get to that point. And Kevin, I would, I would just add, you know, I don't know if you guys are good cooks, right? But like my grandmother, my granny was a great cook and I have some of her recipes she's passed on now. It doesn't taste anything 
like what she made, even though I'm following the recipe, right? So it's not a, you do check off these seven things. You're going to be the greatest coach ever. Sure. That's the art of coaching, right? Of the coaching. human connection. But what it is, is some basic things. And if you're doing it because you think, oh, I'll do this thing and then we'll win, then you've got it backwards anyway. Why are you coaching? Right? Is it just for the wins? Is it just to please the parents? You're never going to please the parents. Newsflash, right? I'm coaching a 10 and under team right now. 10 and under girls, six of my seven players had never played basketball before. And I had parents all over me, all over me because I wasn't being hard enough on the girls and yelling at them enough. I'm like, these girls are 10 and under. They've never played basketball. They didn't know if we were on offense or defense, literally. Yeah. Right. And so we've, we took some lumps and we finally won our first game last week. And one mom who had been on me came up to me after the game. She said, you were right, coach. And I said, holy cow, check the temperature in Hades right now because hell has frozen over. <laughs> right. But, and I kept telling the parents, I'm not coaching to win this game this week. I want your girls to play next year. Right. It's the long-term view. And that's what the standards allow you to do. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's hard. It's hard educating parents. I think that's a whole nother, uh, that's, that's probably a whole nother uh, publication that Pete, you got to produce, right? How do we coach parents? But I think my personally, I think we need to do a better job of educating parents um, as coaches and so forth. But talk about uh, coaching certification. Tim Backhurst, you wrote Tim, uh, public, an article about Tim Backhurst from Florida State uh, University on. He has a coaching education program that I really like. Uh, can you talk about that article that he wrote? I think it was back in 2018 or 19. You asking me or Hal? I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I was asking you, Pete, about Tim Backhurst. Yes. Okay. Uh, you wrote a PHE uh, article about yeah. uh, coaching certification program at FSU. I was really, I was really kind of studying that, saying, now I, I think we need more of these programs. Yeah, what they got going on there is, is I mean, he's, I know, I can't speak directly for what Tim's role is. I know I've talked to him a little bit, but I think, you know, mainly what there's an opportunity where a person has a lot of time to focus on his, his focus is on coaching education. That's what they hired him to do to run that center and that program and do a lot of these things we've been talking about with his research and education. He's been doing, all, I know he does all kinds of work with, you know, putting out information and content. Um, and Tim's a good guy to, to be doing that. He's connected in this area pretty well. So, um, so, I mean, I think that's, that's one aspect, but again, it comes back to that big picture, like they can do all that, you know, um, there's a lot of groups out there doing those things, but does it, it makes an impact, right? But again, it doesn't, we don't have, it's still that certification part of it that doesn't really back for support. So it's all, it's all education, it's all making it better, but we still don't have, we, can we get to that next level? And that's something, that's the million dollar question, I think, we just haven't been able to figure it out yet. And why not? I mean, that, that, that's my question. I know USA basketball has their coaching certification, particularly for their, you know, all their AAU and all that kind of stuff. I love that, but why can't we do it for the high school level coaches as well? I, to me, it, it baffles me. Tim, I, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> We're talking about Tim Backers. Uh, uh, Kevin, um, I'm on the board of directors of the United States Center for Coaching Excellence. And one of the things that we've done is tried to look at all the organizations across the country. And, and, you know, we're looking at over 500 organizations and still counting that deal with youth athletics. So how do you get these 500 and probably thousands really of organizations? We can talk about every sport to agree on anything. And that's one thing we've tried to do is establish a, a floor, a baseline. We have a program called raise the bar. 
these are the minimum things you should do to raise the bar for coaching. And, and that's talking about rec league or anything, not specifically the high school or college. But I think it's important that we share information, that there are more programs. That's why when, when Tim left Oklahoma State to start the program at Florida State, we helped him at Georgia Southern. Some people are like, why would you help them at Georgia Southern? They're going to be competing directly with them. That's because we need more good programs out there helping coaches because it's important. And Tim's gone on to help countless other universities, right? So I think we need more people. Sometimes coaches don't want to share their stuff, right? But you know, the good coaches, the best coaches are usually pretty free in sharing their information. Right. It's amazing how that works. So we need more programs like we have at Georgia Southern or, or anywhere around the country uh, because we need to impact more coaches. Because what you find is, I'll tell you one, one quick story. We had a, a person go through our program. He's, he asked me not to use his name, but he said, I could tell the story, right? He said, before I went through this program, I was about to be fired. He said, and this year at our postseason banquet, I got a standing ovation. <laughs> now, I can't guarantee that, but the difference was he had been so focused on just winning. It's just about winning. And he changed his focus now to letting his players have a good experience. And when you do that, it's amazing how the wins a lot of times will come. Not always. It's not a guarantee, but they'll have a better experience. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, <laughs> I haven't got a standing ovation yet. So maybe in my 31st year, I'll get it. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, but, <laughs> hey, but I know this, that... Um, I get a, I, I learn just as much from my my players and my students as I do uh, as they as they from me. But what about getting a local or regional directors for coaching certification? Go more grassroots. Um, you know, maybe get like um, a Gene Durden out of Buford and have him be like a regional director on coaching certification. Kind of start there. He's very influential in coaching basketball. I know Hal knows him really well. Um, have you guys thought about that, getting coaches that are coaching right now, that are experienced mentors to start emphasizing the certification? Well, you know, I think just, again, the challenge, the overarching challenge, which isn't, that, that we shouldn't try to, to solve it, but, you know, you can be hired without it. And so, unless people buy into saying you have to have the certification to be a part of our high school or our program, um, you know, it, it won't, it'll never really take off. I mean, that's just the limit. It'll be still just based on what's best practice or education based. And I think that's, so yes, I agree. I think groups of pockets and I think groups and pockets of people are doing that. I mean, I've heard of things where, you know, organizations say you got to have this certification to coach in our league and that's out there. Right. Um, and a lot of, a lot of, Parks and Rec programs, even in our community, I know do that. They require certification through certain programs, so it, it's required, you know, organizational based. And and I know how I might want to expand on that. What's going out in there in Georgia? You guys know that, but um, out here it's pretty, you know, state association a little bit requires it, of course, some things. And then of course, local programs do their own kind of thing. But again, nothing universal, and you don't have to be in high school. You can still get in. You know, just need spot certifications in certain areas, as you know, working in high schools. Kevin, I would say that there's a term globally that's not very well known in America. It's called a, a coach developer. A coach developer is their job is to train coaches. Now, there are people like if you go to England, the FA has tons and tons of coach developers. That's their job is just to yeah. go and support and teach coaches. Now, we're trying to make progress in that. And there are some sports that have them in America, but there's not very many. And most of the times when you mention the term, people don't even know what you're talking about. But uh, I think as a coach, which I'm sure you do there at Walnut Grove, 
is you take responsibility for your program. All right. So you, you know, your sub varsity coaches are going to coach with certain principles because you've trained them. All right. When I was in the County next to you there at Gwinnett, big County, you know, we had the Gwinnett basketball league. We had the league just for our County where we had a cluster based or school-based program. I would train all the coaches in my cluster. Right. And so I think if the coaches take that responsibility, I think it would be great, but it's not going to happen unless like you all both said, unless the state association says this is required. I mean, think about it. What's required to coach in college? Basically a college degree. That's it. And then pass the rules test. Right. You know, what's required to coach in the, in the pros? Usually nothing, right? What's required to coach in high school? It depends on the state, you know, but in the state of Georgia, I think it's very interesting that if I'm a, a licensed, you know, certified teacher, that's it. I mean, just take the con concussion training or the heat training. But if I'm not a teacher, and I want to coach in the state of Georgia, then I have to pass a principles of coaching test and I have to pass a sport first aid test to get what we call community relay coach mm -hmm. certification. Yeah. Right. But if you're a teacher, it's not required. Why isn't every coach required to do that? Right? And so states have to take it upon themselves to say, this is the best things for kids. And why don't they? Well, we're having trouble getting coaches now. It's another requirement. Teachers are already stressed out. You you're having to teach your class. You're having all these other responsibilities. You've got parents and administrators. We won't be able to find coaches if we add more requirements. Right is the argument, right? But what kind of experience do we want our athletes to have? Because so many people drop out of athletics once they hit that age 12 or 13, right? Because they have, I mean, I asked my classes even all, who had a coach had a positive impact on them. Almost every hand goes up. Who had a coach who was negative? Every hand goes up. Like there's no hesitation, right? So we've all had that experience. So how can we try and eliminate those negative experiences? So kids do get the benefits that we all got from sports. Right, completely changed my life. I can't imagine my life if I didn't have sports. The things that I learned that I apply in my job now, my life now that I got from sports. Yeah, and it's it's. I know this. Uh, I'm in my 30th year of coaching, guys, and I I'm constantly learning all the time. Of course, I my podcast really helps me out. I do this podcast because I'm selfish. I want to get ideas, and I constantly steal ideas do we do enough of that as coaches? What do you, is that what you're trying to train your coaches? Hey, keep growing, keep learning, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's keep providing opportunities for them to learn um, and different ways to do it. Um, again, I just think back to, you always think back to your own experiences. And I just think, you know, I, I coached at a time, you know, a little more before like all of us here, I think, you know, before the internet too. So, you know, there was a, not a lot of, of opportunities there, that easy access, but so just where do I find resources? Where, what organizations should I get involved in? And, and those kind of things. So leading people and giving them and what, tell, helping what's, what's out there. Is, and I think Cal mentioned that a little bit. You know, there's so many organizations out there, right? How do we connect them and how do we let people know about ones in, in their area? Because you do have a coach. We have a lot of coaches in this country who, who sign up and coach. You know, they're, they don't even work in the schools, as we know. And they're in a rural community. And they're the best person probably for the job in that community. But they don't, where are they going to get? help you know so i think there's a lot of that goes on too which is why i think what usa basketball has done has been fantastic you know creating this program and requiring coaches in live events NCAA certified events to have the gold certification to be able to coach i thought was a huge step to try and establish you know some basic standards for the good of the kids hey my goal though pete is when hal wilson comes to my next legends clinic he's speaking first <laughs> Right, Hal? Yeah. I mean, I, I always have you later, but it's like you need to be first because actually <laughs> your topic 
is probably more important than some of these two, three matchups. So. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. It'll set a low bar, make everybody else look better. <laughs> hey guys, let's talk about philosophy of coaching. You mentioned Pete about learn, relate, and reflect, which is really important for coaching philosophy. Kind of expand upon that and how, because I don't think I'm big on philosophy. You can see in the background, hey, we're all about rowing the boat here, my friends. Uh, we're all about identity. We're all about really focusing on everybody coming together. But talk about coaching philosophy. I think that's underrated in uh, teaching coaches. Well, it, from my perspective and kind of how I teach a little bit, I think a lot of times you think of coaching philosophy. If you open a book on coaching, it's often the first thing that comes up, but it's really hard to have a philosophy if you don't know any, if you haven't started, you got to, you know, like almost have to coach for a while to really understand what your philosophy is going to be. Right. Um, so the learn, relate, reflect that you mentioned is, is kind of a long-term coach development thing that I kind of talk about a lot is, you know, even if you've been coaching, whether you've three years, five years, 15 years, 30 years, right. Um, you can, you can kind of implement this, this three-step thing where, you know, obviously you want to keep learning and it's simple. I mean, learn is you're looking for ways to keep learning as a coach, but I've been, I've worked and been around coaches that it may be a little bit stagnant, you know, they kind of just do the same things over and over and they weren't trying to learn. So I've, you know, it's, I've observed that and seen that it's, it's an easy, it's easy to get into that zone and, you know, or you want to call it comfort zone or whatever it is where you don't, you know, reach out and try new things. And so, um, that that can change your philosophy can evolve and it can change a little bit and so i think learning um that's what the learn component and then related is just is the human part how i mentioned this a little bit you know before this is a, a human relationship business right of coaching and and so thinking i always like to say you know i coached junior, junior high girls one of the best experiences i had i did it for four years um loved it um i always always say that every single kid on that team was there for a different reason and, and I think knowing why your athletes are there, uh, I think even at higher levels is important too. I mean, they're just, what you, why you think they might be there might not be why they're there, right? And so, and yes, every different reason you can think of from my friends playing to I love the game to my parents made me play a sport, whatever. Um, and so I think that's, you know, relating to your athletes um, is that you always got to think about that. And it's easy as you get, uh, the other thing I talk about with that is as you get older, right, that gap increases. It's, it's simple, but um, same thing with my students, my classes, you know, now I'm twice their age, right. Or whatever. So you have to, I can't use those examples of my, from 10 years ago or whatever. So you have to think, continually think about ways to relate to your, your athletes and people you, you work with. Uh, but then the last one is, um, reflection. And that's kind of the, that comes back to, there's a lot of scholarly work and research that's been done on reflection over the years in coach education. A lot of it done internationally. Um, we, we, the power of reflection in all professional fields is, is well documented. Um, how can you apply that as a coach? In um, a simple way, is, is, is there something you can do on a daily basis? It's just, a, I think a lot of us do it naturally. You drive home from practice, whatever it is, you're reflecting. But can you make it a little more purposeful? Maybe it's a couple of questions you ask yourself. Maybe it's a certain time of day. You just stop and take five minutes, whatever. There's a lot of different ways and strategies to do that. But So that's kind of what those three things are, are getting at. Al, how do you guys approach that at Georgia Southern teaching? Mm -hmm. I'm sure that has to be the number one topic right before you go into anything else is what, how do you establish a coaching philosophy? Well, it is, and it's the thing that the students roll their eyes at, you know, because I remember when I, I used to coach high school football as well, and I was at a clinic a long time ago, and there's a Hall of Fame coach speaking, and he said, you watch. 
whenever a coach starts talking about philosophy, all the pins go down. But as soon as they start talking about X and O's, everybody's writing like crazy, right? Because you think your X's and O's are going to work with my X's and O's, which is not always the case. And since then, which is, that's been almost 30 years now, that's always the case. It's amazing. Go to a clinic and watch, right? The pins go down when you talk about philosophy, but there's, there's nothing more important. Can you win without it? Of course, right? But my college coach is retired now is, uh, is a guy named uh, Jerry Wainwright, tremendous coach, huge influence on my life. And he had been a super successful high school coach. In fact, he was the first high school coach to be the director of the famous five-star camp. Okay? He was offered a job by Bobby Knight at Indiana. Okay? And then he, he didn't take it at that time for some other reasons, but then he got into college coaching. He coached Xavier. He coached at Wake Forest, coached Tim Duncan, but he, he couldn't get a head job. He was really frustrated. I can't get a head job. And he was complaining to Larry Brown, Hall of Famer. And Larry Brown said, well, let me see your coaching portfolio. And he said, well, what are you talking about? He said, well, let me see your philosophy. He said, well, I don't have anything written down. He said, then quit complaining. If you haven't taken the time to determine what your philosophy is, you shouldn't be complaining about not having the opportunity. You have to prepare before the opportunity presents itself. Pete Carroll in his book, Win Forever, talked about uh, before he got the USC job, he did exactly that. He wrote down, what is important to me? What is my philosophy going to be? Went on to have great success there and, and with the Seahawks. So I also think I like short phrases. I always say uh, corny is thorny. It might be silly, but it's going to stick, right? <laughs> and uh, we always talk about, and this will stick with your uh, row the boat theme there, is what ship matters to you, right? The ships determine your success. Are you focused on championships or relationships? If you only focus on championships, uh, you're going to burn out yourself and your people, and you might get one, right? but it's not going to be worth it versus the relationships. And you all have coached for a long time, and you know there's nothing better when you get that text, that email, that phone call, that message, whatever, from a former player. It's awesome. When they stop by to see you, right? it's the tremendous relationships that make it worthwhile. And then when you have those tight relationships and you get the championship, wow, I mean, that, that, that's just the best. I love that. I, I totally believe in the corny is thorny, I guess, philosophy. We right now, I got to tell you a story before I want you guys to reflect on this or give me some feedback. Um, we went down the Greenbrier uh, High School in Augusta and lost by 40, I think 45 points. I had three starters out and it's a two hour drive. <laughs> All right. And be, that day before, um, we created a mid season, uh, you know, kind of. Uh, get together with our team because I felt like my team was not playing together. And we, we did what we call stick together. And then we showed them how a singly stick can be easily broken and a bundle of sticks, everybody together with each one of their power words on the stick cannot be broken. And that philosophy was challenged. We went down there and my, my team played as hard as they could. I mean, really, it was like they did everything possible and lost by 48. That tested our philosophy. And I was not upset with them after the game. They gave their best against a better opponent. That, that's when your philosophy is tested, right, guys? Go ahead, Al. Well, well yes. I mean, it's, it's easy to have that great philosophy when you haven't played yet or you're undefeated and everything's going well. <laughs> but, right, but that's another point we make in class, right? It's because, like, I think when I first started, I didn't really have – one that was I was set on, right? I kind of just, uh, this coach is being successful. Let me try and take something from them. Or, or that I kind of was just wishy-washy, right? But who are you in good times and bad times? Because like you said, when you get kicked in the teeth, like I've taken those L's before, you know, and you just want to crawl under the bench during the game and nothing's doing right, it's 
<laughs> what do you believe in? And it can't just be when things are going. Right. It's the same thing we preach to our players, right? You got to right. play hard all the time, do little things right all the time. Uh, not just when your shot's falling. So yeah, I think that's a great point. You know, how how mentioned a little bit ago, you know, you, you got to take the time to think about, you know, your philosophy and, and take your time to reflect. And, and I think, again, you go back to your personal experiences and that's, you know, something that, that I didn't even know about or even think about. I think you do it subconsciously a little bit, but I think really deliberately taking that, you know, taking that step. And if you haven't already done that as a coach, if you're listening to this or, you know, when we talked, I talked to coaches or, my, or future coaches in my classes, you know, just try to give them those tools to think about how they can do that. Yeah, we're still rowing the boat here, my friends. We're still, I mean, the boat, a couple holes in it, but the boat's still rowing. Everybody has their oar right now. Hey, and we got a tough game tonight, matter of fact. Hey, guys, hey, I really appreciate you all coming on. Um, I know that uh, you guys are trying to build better coaches for the because it's all about the kids, right? So you are trying to improve coaches so coaches can improve their athletes, correct? And give some one final note. And, and also tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you. Because I know, Pete, both you and Hal have done some great work in coaching education. I want my listeners to know how they can get a hold of your information. Yeah, again, thanks, Kevin, for having, having me on today. I appreciate it. always love talking about coaching, anything we can do to help coaches. And I think this is another example is trying to connect things where we can help each other uh, reach different coaches that are out there. So what you're doing is really awesome. And if we can help each other that way, let's keep doing it. Um, I think as far as just, you know, I, the, the thing I guess I'd leave everybody with it, go back to what I said, you know, learn, relate, reflect. You can do nothing, just think of little things. So what can I do? If I can keep learning, I can, you know, take some time to reflect. And if I can find better ways to relate to my, my athletes, I think I'm, I'm on the right track there. Um, I got, I put a little plug in for Sport Coach America. You can look that up. Um, you can find me there. How's a part of that? We're, we're kind of working together with some others on, on that. So that's another, again, thing, trying to make a difference for coaches. Um, that's at, you know, sport. Uh, Coach Merrick's on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Van Mollum underscore Pete um, as well. So look forward to connecting with anybody who'd like to connect. Yeah, and uh, thank you for having us on. I uh, love talking with you, Kevin, and, and really admire what you've done with this podcast. Uh, so I would love to you know, talk to any coach that's interested. You know, our uh, master's is fully online. If you're looking for a degree, it's a master's in kinesiology, 14 months, start in May. You're done 14 months later. Um, and then if you're looking, you don't need a degree, Sport Coach America is going to be a great resource. It's going to provide training for coaches everywhere. So there's, there's opportunities out there if you look for it, no matter what level you're looking to go to. Uh, but you can connect with us. If you just Google Georgia Southern uh, Coaching Masters, our program will come up in all the courses. Uh, I'm on Twitter, Coach Hal Wilson, Coach H-A-L Wilson. And I would love to connect with anyone anytime. My goal is to get both of you guys out here for a, for a coaching education summit. That's my goal, okay, to get both you guys out here in Georgia. Uh, just, just talking about how to, how, how to uh, build programs and how to teach philosophy and really start from the grassroots. So I'd love to have you guys both come out. Uh, so, but um, hey guys, I appreciate y'all coming on. Uh, I want you guys to keep rowing the boat as well, man. Keep going, keep churning out those great coaches out there. So, but thanks again for coming on, Coach. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Thank you. Have a good one. All right. Thank you. 
At Dr. Dish Basketball, we're creating basketball shooting machines that accelerate player performance. With features like on-demand workouts, multiplayer stat tracking, and instant analytics, Dr. Dish Basketball is the number one source for basketball training. Whether you're training in your driveway, running a practice, or developing a workout program, we have the most innovative training solutions to help your players practice like they play. And just for listening to this podcast, you qualify for an exclusive discount. Just mention Championship Vision Podcast to your sales rep when you call in. For more information, visit drdishbasketball.com or call 952-873-2633. Again, that number is 952-873-2633. And remember, be better every day. Dr. Dish Basketball's Virtual Camp 2.0 is now live. Our camp features drills and workouts from pro players, coaches, and trainers like Byron Scott, Quincy Pondexter, and four-time WNBA champ Lindsey Whalen. And though we're known for our shooting machines, the camp also features ball handling, agility, and conditioning drills to help athletes of all ages round out their game. A shooting machine is not required for this camp, but if you own or have access to a Dr. Dish CT or Dr. Dish home, you can follow along with our pre-built program and track your progress and your stats. Sign up today to gain access to the Virtual Camp 2.0 featured drills and workouts by visiting drdishbasketball.com slash virtualcamp2021. That's drdishbasketball.com slash virtual-camp-2021. Coaches, I'd like to welcome our new Championship Vision podcast sponsor, Huddle Assist. The best basketball coaches are relying on data more than ever. That's why coaches love Huddle Assist. With Assist, you get full game breakdowns, including complete team and player stats in less than 24 hours. Your stats are ready when you need them. And Assist is more than just the box score. Use interactive reports like shot charts and advanced stance like lineup data, VPS, and of course, effective field goal percentage to coach smarter. Plus, Assist brings your stats to life. Every stat is marked on the video at the moment it happens. See every shot, turnover, rebound, and much more with just a few clicks. Want to see how Huddle Assist is elevating basketball? Visit huddle.com slash assist. That's huddle.com slash assist to learn more. Huddle will also be at the Legends at the Grove Clinic on September 12th at Walnut Grove High School in Loganville, Georgia. Come stop by our table to chat and see what we have to offer. Coaches, this is Coach Matt Dennis, and I'm truly excited and blessed to join Coach Furtado on the Championship Vision Podcast. If you're a coach looking to get better at your craft, you're really going to love this episode. If you'd like more great coaching content, I encourage you to check out other episodes on the podcast, as well as to head over to CoachMattDennis.com, where you can join my newsletter and sign up for a free trial of the Coaching Lab, where my goal is to help coaches find more success in less time.